The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. I had just arrived in London at 18 and spotted this movie marquee, Meetings with Remarkable Men. The film was about the philosopher Gurdjieff, but it was the title that spoke to me. I wanted to know people like that, people changing the world by the way they lived. I've sought them out ever since, and now we'll hear from many of them on the Victoria Moran podcast, Meetings with Remarkable Women. Welcome to the podcast. Your host, Victoria Moran, author of Creating a Charmed Life, Younger by the Day, and Main Street Vegan, invites you to conversations designed to help you thrive in your body, cozy up to your soul, and use your unique gifts to change the world. Now, here's Victoria. I am a big believer in role models. They can be living now or in the past, older or younger than you very much like you or quite different, but knowing about them and their approach to life uplifts your own. At least that's what I find. So today in the spirit of holiday gifting, I would like to gift you with the opportunity to meet one of my role models. I love how this remarkable woman shows up on earth and I'm pretty sure you will too. Ah, hi, everybody. Victoria Moran here, and so happy that you are too. I invite you to join our Facebook group, Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners, and also to catch up with me on social media. I'm Victoria Moran Author on Instagram and on Facebook, and it would be wonderful to get to know you better. And oh my gosh, I am so happy speaking of knowing people well, to know this woman who is my my guest today. She is Kimberly Wilson, a psychotherapist, writer, eco-fashion designer, host of the Tranquility Du Jour podcast, and a rescue pug mama. She has been studying and teaching tranquility for two decades, and her mission is to help women find more balance, beauty, and maybe a little bit of Paris in their lives. She founded uh, Tranquil Space Yoga in uh, Washington, D.C. That was named among the top 25 yoga studios by Travel and Leisure before selling that in 2017. To follow up on her master's degrees in women's studies and social work, and her work has been featured in media outlets, including the Washington Post, Cosmopolitan, the Huffington Post, and U.S. News and World Report. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's a treat to be here with you today. Well, it is a treat to just be in the world at the same time as you and to know about all the amazing things that you do because you really are a Renaissance woman. And so many people have 
a lot of interests and are just looking at this and looking at that. You have a lot of interests, but you seem to be adept at all of them. So talk to us a little bit about Kimberly Wilson, where you came from and how you became the woman you are today. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny whenever we think of where we came from, right? It's like, so once upon a time, uh, I'm originally from Oklahoma and I've lived in the DC area for my goodness, like 25 years. And, you, you know, the, my journey is somewhat circuitous, right? It just began as a seedling of wanting to find community and wanting to create something that would offer the opportunity for others to show up as themselves, have some tea and cookies, do some yoga. And that is really the start with the yoga studio that then morphed into a blog in 04 and a podcast in 05 and a clothing line in 02. So all these different pieces kind of merge together on how do we find more tranquility in the everyday. And I will say, you know, I like to think that I was able to take tranquility du jour somewhat global, quote unquote, once I started a blog, because I was able to take the messaging of tranquility, beauty and balance in the everyday out of the four walls of the yoga studio and, you know, onto an online platform. You may remember blogger back in the day, Victoria. Yes, conference. Yes. Yeah. Oh, blog her. Yes. With the conference and then blogger was, you know, the way in which we would do our blogs, you know, mm -hmm. it was a free platform. I don't even know if blogger is still around, but, you know, and then I started the podcast in 05 back when I had to describe to people what a podcast was, which is so funny now because everybody knows podcasts and so many people listen to them now. So that's been really the journey and evolution. And, you know, when the studio turned 18, I felt like it was time for me to pass it along to a new parent, someone who could take it under their wings and really give it the love and nurturing it needed and allow me to move on to really focus on psychotherapy. That's what I do full-time. And then the Tranquility Du Jour community, where I offer programs and the podcasts and clothing line, things like that on the side, right? So that's really been my journey, Victoria, in a quick nutshell. Well, that's a quick nutshell, but it also is like a lot of juggling because there's so much going on that's different. And so what ties it all together? What ties together all these disparate parts of you? Yeah, that's a great question. I love what you said earlier too about kind of the Renaissance woman because the trick, right, is as I'm a, am I a jack of all trades and master of none? So that's something I've always had to like struggle with a little bit of where is my focus? But, you know, I will say, and I, I used to always say this in yoga teacher trainings, if I was just teaching yoga, which is a noble profession, but if that's all I was doing, I would not be satisfied, right? So it was like, okay, teach yoga, 
uh, create a yoga teacher program, uh, develop a, a new studio space, a clothing line that you can wear to yoga and then also wear out and about. And I know you have a couple pieces, Victoria, from the collection. I love your clothes. They move. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tell us the website for the clothes just so um, we don't forget that. Yeah, of course. It's KimberlyWilson.com slash TDJ. So the name of the clothing line is TDJ. For tranquility du jour. Exactly. Just get that in. <laughs> yes. it's, oh, it's wonderful clothing because it feels so comfortable. And so often when you say, oh, it's comfortable, you think, oh, yeah, that couldn't be very attractive. It's just the opposite. It's really the epitome of, of both. So just one of the many you. ways that you're a star. So go on, you were talking. Oh, thank you. You're kind. Well, you know, I have to really credit it all to my local seamstress. So that's the beauty of it is it's eco-friendly fabrics and organic bamboo and with a little spandex that gives it that nice juicy stretch. And then, yeah, everything's made to order, right? So there's no inventory, no extra waste. It's like you place an order online. I send it to my seamstress, she makes it, and then out it goes into the world. So it's it's a really sweet project. But yes, you think about that, right? It all stemmed from teaching yoga, wanting something I could teach in and then also go out and about in. And so that's really how all these pieces are linked, wanting something in the world that I couldn't find and or wanting to expand my creativity in a way, right? From writing a book or creating a planner, which I did for the first time in 2012. And that's just a way in which I feel like, you know, it's the thread, I think, that really weaves into all of the activities and offerings. I wonder if somebody is listening to this and thinking, oh, yeah, but you're creative. You're a creative person. You've talked about all these different things that you just come up with. I'm not that kind of person. I don't come up with stuff like that. What would you say to them? Mm. Well, you know, I would say, first of all, read the book, The Artist's Way. It's so good. And Victoria, I read that book in 1999 after I'd taken my first yoga teacher training. And I was like, what? I'm an artist? How is that possible? And it really had a big influence on me. And I credit it to starting the yoga studio, which was the impetus for all the things that have come after. And thinking about yourself, it's like, I am creative. The way you write is creative. I mean, even an email, the way you text is creative. The way you uh, make a dinner is creative. The way you dress yourself is creative. The way you care for your pets or your family is creative. So almost everything we do is an you know, is an outlay of our creativity. Just sometimes we don't think, well, I'm not an artist because I'm not Picasso, right? That's great. We don't want you to be Picasso. We want you to be you and show up authentically, creatively, and beautifully, uniquely you. Well, you certainly do it and you inspire other people to do this in so many ways. So let's get into some of the specifics. Now you are known for tranquility. And I think most people think, well, okay, that means calm. Sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't. But I have a feeling that you see tranquility in a much deeper and broader sense. Tell us about that. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because the definition of tranquility in the dictionary, right, is the quality of calm. And what I've added on whenever I talk about tranquility du jour, because you could be like, well, she does 
a lot of things. How can this be tranquility, right? Tranquility is something you have on a yoga retreat or, you know, sitting in meditation for hours. And so my definition of tranquility is the quality of calm within a full and meaningful life. So full means you have a lot on your plate and I'll bet everyone who's listening identifies or most people identifies having a lot on their plate, no matter what they've got going on in their life, their lives are full. And whenever we think about full and meaningful, it's like, okay, am I living a life of meaning? Am I living my life in a way that's giving back to us and serving and, you know, caring for the animals and caring for fellow human beings? And so that is my definition of tranquility. Yeah, calm is awesome. But we also want to have a full and a meaningful life that is impacting others, right? And how can you have calm within that when the dog is barking, the doorbell's ringing, you're on deadline, and the pot's boiling over, right? That's when we need tranquility, not on a yoga retreat. So what do we do to get it in a scenario like you just described? Yeah. So you know what it comes down to a lot is learning how to respond versus react. So I'll give an example. A reaction would be, oh my gosh. And this is what I think most of us would do, right? In the moment, like, oh my God, like there's so much happening. I'm so overwhelmed. You know, I, I say something to someone that I later regret, or I send an email I later regret that isn't as kind or soft as I would have liked. And so there's this idea, and this is really a mindfulness part, right? Of how do we take that pause and just check in, notice, what's going on in my body and listeners can even do this right now, no matter what they're doing, maybe they're driving or they're washing dishes or they're, you know, playing with their pet while they are listening to this podcast. It's like, just notice what is going on in your body. Do you feel heat, coolness, tingling, tightness? And you know, when all these things are happening, like a chaotic experience, you're stuck in traffic, you know, oftentimes the heart center it starts to feel tight. You know, we get tense. We, our face flushes, our heart races. And so how can we learn in those moments to breathe, to take a pause and to recognize we have a choice in how we respond to things. And I think that is one of the biggest tools of finding more tranquility among the chaos that is everyday life. That is beautifully put and um, easy to follow. <laughs> so thank you, Kimberly. So one of the other aspects of, of what you do, when I think about you, I see this lovely collage of so many of the things that you are. And one of them is definitely style. And I remember having a conversation oh, ages and ages ago with my darling late first husband. And I said, but where do you think in the whole realm of spirituality does something like fashion fit in? Because I was studying that at the time, very involved in it. And he said, well, I don't think it's very high up. <laughs> so we've <laughs> talked a little bit about fashion and your wonderful clothing line, but way beyond just clothing, everybody has a sense of style and yours is absolutely brilliant and glorious. So talk a little bit about style, particularly for those who think maybe 
they don't have it. Absolutely. And thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I really do think that style and spirituality and creativity and mindfulness is all connected. And and I'll tell you why. There is a woman, and I believe she's a psychologist from the UK. Her name is Carolyn Mayer, M-A-I-R. And she wrote a cute little book called The Psychology of Fashion. And she says, mood and clothing are interconnected. And I'll bet all of the listeners can think about a time when they felt really pulled together. And it could be in a little jumpsuit at home, something very simple, or getting dolled up to go to a ballet, right? So thinking about how you felt in that moment. And it's not about really having to get dolled up. It's more about feeling comfortable in your skin and with what you're wearing. So I find them to be quite connected. And Anna Wintour, I love this quote by her. She says, create your own style. Let it be unique for yourself, yet identifiable for others. So we probably all know those people. Whenever we see something, you know, online or out and about, we're like, oh my gosh, that is so Victoria. That would look so great on her. She would love that, right? So that's this idea of it's identifiable to others. People recognize that as your style, as something you would love. And I think it makes a really big difference. I mean, I'll say I have what's called a uniform. I wear the same leggings with this two-in-one top from the clothing line pretty much every day. And I layer it. I add on to it. I subtract. You know, if I decide I want to wear tights to a ballet class rather than my leggings, you know, I'll, I'll swap But typically, I reach for that every single day, and it makes it easy peasy. And then to dress it up, right, I add a scarf, or I add fancy shoes, or, you know, something along those lines, accessories that can completely dress it up, something that is very, very basic. So thinking about you and your overall lifestyle, do you live or do you have an animal rescue? Well, then you might live in overalls, right? Or jeans or something along those lines. Do you, are you a stay-at-home mom? Are you on the floor a lot with a toddler? Then you want something comfortable. So it doesn't mean we have to dress up, so to speak, but we want to think about what am I expressing to the world? It's so interesting, Kimberly, to hear you talk about your uniform, because I think of you as one of the most stylish women that I know, and I wouldn't think, oh, yeah, she has a uniform, (laughs) and yet, when I was 18, went to fashion school in London, there was a teacher there from Paris who was absolutely stunning. She looked like, you mentioned Anna Wintour, this woman looked like the cover of Vogue, every day. And once she invited some of the students over and a couple of us snuck into her bedroom so we could look in her closet. And we were absolutely shocked when we saw two jackets, two blouses, two skirts, and two pairs of pants on padded hangers with three inches in between. That was it. (laughs) And it was such a lesson that this woman that we assumed had designer clothing in four walk-in closets had this very tiny wardrobe, but everything was really quality. Everything fit and everything suited her. 
Right. And that's all about a capsule wardrobe, you know, which is so popular now, but I love that example of, okay, what do you need? I mean, some people's capsule wardrobes are 10, 20, 40 pieces. It doesn't really matter, but it's looking at, and this was really how creativity can totally come into, we have to get dressed every day, right? So why not let it be a creative expression, but also where you have a closet full of things that you love, right? That you wear regularly and that all mix and match nicely. So I love that example. Well, let's then talk about Paris because the person in that example was a Parisian woman which seems like just being a Parisian woman gives someone some of that style gifts that maybe we have to learn of ourselves if we come from somewhere else, that you have really adopted Paris as your own. So tell us about that connection. You know, it's funny, I backpacked through college or after college through Europe and somehow ended up in Paris on Bastille Day, right? I really... I didn't know a lot about where I was going, which is embarrassing. This is 1995 and, you know, we didn't intend to be there on Bastille Day, but somehow we ended up there and we were just mesmerized me and a girlfriend from childhood had, had done this trip. And anyway, I just fell in love with Paris. I was like, Paris is so feminine. And, you know, I like to describe Paris as a city that's like, drink me in just like take me in. It's so stunning. And when I say that, I mean, aesthetic is very important there. And it's not about, oh, I want to present as like wealthier than I am. I don't mean that at all. I mean, it's like detail is attended to. Like I'm very big. Here's a silly example on having doilies, little paper doilies on plates, right? Whenever you're serving something. And I would always have that on the, you know, under the cookies at the yoga studio. And if there wasn't a doily there, I was like, where's the doilies people? And it's a small thing, but say in Paris, you know, sometimes you get your tea because I'm always getting teas there at the cafe and it comes with a doily, right? And it's just those little things that make such a difference. People pay attention to the way they show up and the way in which things are presented. Oh my gosh, the farmer's markets there are stunning. The way in which the fruit is displayed and the little signs for it and the way it's even cut open so you can see inside the cantaloupe. You're like, oh my goodness, right? Just so beautiful. And beauty is a very important value of mine and beauty, not as in makeup, beauty as in the arts, you know, the, uh, like a, a beautiful bouquet of peonies, you know, things along those lines are something that just brings me joy. It just, um, it, it softens me. It, 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 you know, invigorates me in a way of just like eye candy. And I feel like Paris is eye candy and beauty is just a huge, huge value there. Can you take us through a day for a woman with Parisian style? What happens when she gets up? How does she get dressed? What does she have for breakfast? Especially if she's vegan like us and just, um, yeah, take us to Paris for a few minutes. 
<laughs> sure. Well, you know, uh, this year it was amazing because I actually went three times. Typically I'll go one or two, but there were a couple of retreats that I wanted to go on. And then in the spring, I just wanted to go myself. So I can just give an example, right? There's Definitely the getting up. I, I tell you, whenever I, I usually will stay in Airbnbs and be Airbnbs. And as I walk out my door in the hallway, it's filled with perfume from women who have just left their apartments and they're heading into the office, right? So always a little spritz of perfume. There's definitely a morning cup of tea. I, um, you know, I guess some people drink coffee. I know people like coffee, potentially like a croissant. Things along those lines, things that just like are just little nibbles. You know, I always love to start the day even with like a little a banana, right? And then, you know, I picture them, they're all dressed for the office, right? They go into the office and I see them during lunch, having their lunch with a glass of wine. I'm like, who drinks during the day? Well, they do. And, you know, I've even seen people like half a carafe of wine. I'm like, I hope they're not going back to the office. Like, it's just funny, right? The difference in the way people handle things. And then, you know, back in the office, I assume for the second half of the day, but like a leisurely end, you know, usually then I see people, it seems like back in a cafe or meeting up or going to the grocery store. It seems like... The places I've stayed in are so, so, so tiny. The refrigerators are so, so, so tiny that they need to go to the market or the grocery store regularly to get their fresh produce rather than stocking up at, say, a Costco like we do in America. And, you know, and then it seems like there's, they tend to make meals. You know, I tend to uh, keep things up in the microwave or, you know, just get something very, very simple. And, you know, and then it's all done with this sense of allure, you know, and of course the spritz of perfume that I mentioned, <laughs> and as you mentioned too, all pulled from like a small closet, you know, of like just the basics and often with a scarf and red lips. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so inspiring. Now you've written several books. Which one would you recommend? to help us get more into this feeling you've just described? Mm, you know, I need to write a book that really taps into the feminine uh, nature of Paris that I just adore. But, you know, my latest book, Year of Tranquility, which came out in 2019, is, is nice in the fact that it's divided into 12 different topics. So each for a month, and there is a month, of course, on style and beauty, and of course, a month on creativity, and a month on meaning. So, you know, it's, um, it, it touches into these, but just with little takeaway tangible lessons and journal prompts and things to think about. So that might be a fun start. I would say my favorite book, because it was my first book, Baby and Victoria, you may relate to this of like, your first one's like your, you know, most precious. And uh, that's Hip Tranquil Chick. And it has a beautiful pink cover with leopard print and leopard print on the side. And we just in November celebrated its sweet 16 birthday. And, you know, it's funny, the, the book is about taking your yoga practice off the mat and into the world, right? So it's a little bit about yoga poses, but then it really goes into, you know, the environments and, you know, so many relationships, finances, things along those lines, like how do you bring yoga, the yoga philosophy into all of that? So that's a really sweet, fun, light book. And 
one thing that came out of the Sweet 16 celebration that we just had was, okay, what's missing from the book? You know, now too, especially 16 years later, so much has changed, right? And and I think that might be a fun book of what's next. If like Hip Trinkle Chick, not using the title, but Hip Trinkle Chick grows up, you know, on aging gracefully, on diversity, on making meaning in the world, you know, um, serving the animals, like all sorts of things that are just barely touched on in the first book. Well, that sounds exciting. I hope that there is that next one coming. In the meantime, we will link to both Hip Tranquil Chick and A Year of Tranquility over at victoriamoran.com in our show notes and also all of the other URLs and ways to find out more about what is going on with, um, with Kimberly. So you mentioned just in passing ballet, and I know this is something that you took up after you were five years old. So tell us when, how, and why on that one. Oh my gosh, ballet. Victoria, ballet. When I, Whenever I think beauty in Paris, I think ballet. So I did ballet as a child for a few years, you know, a little in grade school, a little in junior high. And then I picked it back up in 2018. So this is my fifth year of doing it pretty darn regularly. Now, I just had a hip replacement earlier this year, so I had to take a couple months off, which was very sad because I'm slowly acclimating to the new hip and getting back into it. And what I love about ballet is that, A, it's pink and black. <laughs> B, the music is stunning. Oftentimes in classes, you have a live pianist, and I since the pandemic, I've mainly been doing virtual classes. I've only done two in-person classes this entire pandemic, and one was yesterday or since the pandemic started. But when the pandemic started, I took my mm, two classes a week to basically seven classes a week. And it's lovely because you just open up the computer and there's your teacher. And I just find it to be a beautiful practice, something that I really look forward to. And that is so incredibly challenging in so many ways, meaning from like the technique to learning the choreography, the teacher shows something you're supposed to do it. And I, I, it's always like deer in the head, like, how do we, where do we start? And, you know, so there's something really good and challenging about that. Like a, like, it's like a puzzle. And also the seeing a little bit, a little bit, very little bit, but a tiny bit of growth, right, in the process is really fun. And just earlier this year, I participated in a festival, the first adult ballet festival that one of my teachers put on. And I did a solo of Lilac Fairy, and I won second place, and I couldn't believe it in the beginner category. And so that was really fun, because not there, you know, this isn't about competition, but I was planning on performing anyway. And then kind of last minute, I was like, well, let me throw my hat in the ring. And it happened to be on my 49th birthday, and I won a sweet little medal that I have on my altar here at home. Ah, that's wonderful. So let's talk about that. So many people hear the word altar and they think everything has to be religious or at least maybe from nature, but you've got your winning second place beginner adult ballet festival medal. So tell <laughs> us what else is on your altar and what you think about altars overall. 
Absolutely. I'll have to send you a photo if you want to add it to the show notes, if you'd like. So I have books, of course, some of my favorite books. I have a photo of my partner and I at the Redwoods when we had first started dating. I have little pug bookends. I have twinkle lights. I have fresh peonies that are at Wegmans around this time of the year, which is a total delight. And I'm just looking over there. Oh, and candles and a Buddha statue that holds my or that's, you know, what's hanging off of it is a medal from the ballet festival. And also when I was in Paris in June, I learned to play patanque, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, which is like, um, like that, like bocce. And anyway, I won a little medal for that because I somehow was good at it. I'm never good at anything sporty uh, immediately, but somehow I was nailing that and I got a little medal for it. So I was like, oh my gosh, this year I got two medals and I don't think I've gotten a medal since I got a participatory ribbon in grade school or something. So it's just very exciting. And um, yeah, so that's what's on my altar. So it's things of meaning, things of beauty and uh, some lovely candles. I think I have three candles up there at the moment. Oh, Kimberly, I love how you think and I love how you live. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. So as we continue with your remarkable life and, and helping the people listen, find the strands in their own lives that are equally fabulous. To me, the ones that we really carry with us, the ones that at the end of the day make us feel the best about ourselves when we go to sleep at night are what we've done for others. And I know you do a lot of this for animals and dogs in particular, but tell us a little bit about that part of your life. So, you know, I'm trying to think when I first really develop well let's just say I mean since I was a child I have been obsessed with animals my first obsession was turtles and I used to have a lot of turtles that living in Oklahoma that my family would find little baby turtles around a lake or whatever and we'd have for a few years and they brought me such joy I named them all I still remember their names and then of course we had dogs and cats and so I've always been an animal person but I would say it must have been in the early stages of the yoga studio where I began adopting and sponsoring animals from farm sanctuary. And I sponsored my very first pig named JD who'd been washed down a little river from a farm, uh, a factory farm. And I remember going to meet him at farm sanctuary and he was no longer a little piglet. He was the size of a couch and I just fell in love with JD. And then I started volunteering and working with the pig sanctuary that's here in West Virginia. Victoria, and you came and spoke at their, I think it was their 20 or 25 year anniversary, which was so lovely many years ago. Yes, I was going to ask you about pigs, a sanctuary. That was the first animal sanctuary I ever visited. Mm, And that was back in the 90s. 
when there weren't very many of them. Right. And especially what I love about it, even though they do have other animals like cats and dogs, it is mainly pigs and it's a lot of pigs, but you know, I just really developed a, a love and passion for pigs and yeah. And then, you know, rescued these beautiful pugs that you may hear snoring in the background through an Oklahoma pug rescue. Cause similar to you, Victoria, it took a long time to find a fit and it's not because there's not tons of animals out there, just somehow, like it just was not working on getting coordinated. So I went through petfinder.com and then just made my way to Oklahoma and then was like, all right, well, let's go. We drove out to get one of them and then another one and then another one. But anyway, these animals have just become such an important part of my life. And, you know, also having lost animals, absolutely heartbreaking, so tragic. And then I went through a program at University of Tennessee called a veterinary social work certificate, which is amazing. You know, you think about it, we need social workers in the veterinary field. And so that's really their mission and what they're doing. And I felt quite passionate about one of the modules, which was pet loss support. And that's one of the big things that I've been doing since I got my certificate during the pandemic in 2020 is offering free pet loss support groups. So anyone dealing with that, please feel free to head on over to my website and sign up because February is the next one I'll be offering. And it's just a really challenging time. So I like to be there to support others. And so, yeah, that's been my journey with animals. I continue to support and sponsor. We have a nonprofit that's called Pigs and Pugs Project, and we donate to pig sanctuaries and pug rescues, which are always in need. I used to say that are in need, but now I'm like, they're all always in need. And yeah, so that's been the journey and the evolution of my, my animal obsession. Oh, and Victoria, in 2023, I'm going to Borneo to meet the orangutan. So my oh. obsession was turtles, orangutans, and now pigs and pugs, right? But I've not forgotten my orangutans. And so I do a lot of donating to Borneo orangutan survival, and they are offering a yoga retreat where you can go and meet the adoptees or the rescued animals and plant trees and all of that. So I'm doing that next year, and I'm so excited. That sounds amazing. My daughter did that. They, they've done quite a lot of, of traveling to see animals in their natural habitat, but the orangutans... <laughs> That was something to write home about, <laughs> seriously. Oh, yes. So I, I attended one of your wonderful uh, pet loss groups after we lost our Forbes last summer, and it was so, so helpful. If anybody is listening who recently lost an animal companion, do you have a word for them? Be gentle. Be so, so gentle and hold yourself with such tender care. I will say... The challenge, and you may remember this, Victoria, because I mentioned the the real big challenge, I think, with pet loss. I mean, A, the loss of the pet, of course, number one. But number two is what's called disenfranchised grief. And what that means is society does not know what to do about you losing a pet. It's similar to like a miscarriage or a... Uh, the the loss of an ex-spouse, right? Like an ex-spouse passes away. People don't really know what to say. There's no like set sort of script. And it's very similar with a pet. Oftentimes, what do people say? Are you going to get another one, right? No one would say, are you going to get another ex-husband? Are you going to get another mom, right? And yet that's 
what is said. And so that also contributes to the heartbreak is society doesn't get it. And what I think is so important is to be like, get things off your calendar if you can for a little bit where you can just really be with yourself, be with the experience, be with the grief and, and take super gentle care of yourself and recognize that people aren't going to get it. And even someone in your same household who lost the same pet may not grieve the way you grieve. And that is also confusing and heartbreaking. And so just recognizing that grief is such a personal experience and we just have to hold it with such tender care and be so incredibly gentle with ourselves. And, you know, one of the big pieces that is encouraged is to keep a continued bond with your pet. So that could be anything from, you know, keeping their blanket with you, um, having a photo up on your mantle that, you know, reminds you of your beloved. You know, I have the screensaver on my phone is a photo of the first pug that I had and that I lost in 2015 with his like sweet little teddy bear that I still have. So that is a way to keep a continued bond, which helps it you know, seem as like, even though the being is gone physically, it's like spiritually or kind of ethereally, like they're still with us. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Your psychotherapy clients are really lucky. <laughs> they've, got a, <laughs> they've got a good mentor in you. So as we wind down, we're looking at a new year for people who are listening to this when it first posts, certainly. 2023 is about to be upon us. So give us some of your New Year's thoughts. Oh, I love the new year. And, you know, I, I wanted to emphasize, though, in case people aren't listening to this in the new year, that a lot of pressure is put on during the new year and know that you can begin again and start again at any time, not just January 1st or in September when I know it's a Jewish new year and a lot of people feel that's a bit of a new year with it being back to school. So I just want to emphasize there every moment is a chance to begin again. But this time of the year, similar to my birthday, which falls mid-year, I like to do an assessment. I look back on the past year. What are some highlights? What are some lessons learned? What, um, what really stands out, you know, from the year, say 2022? And that's a nice way to just, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about this thing that happened in February, right? If you go back through your planner or you go back through your photos, that can be a really nice way to just think of tying a bow around the year, highlights, lessons learned, challenges, thinking about how you showed up, how maybe you want to show up differently in the new year, and really then looking at the new year, what is your theme or your word of the year? You know, is it ease? Is it tranquility? Is it beauty? Is it growth? Is it quiet? Is it silence? Is it spaciousness? Whatever it is, the reason I encourage and many people encourage the coming up with a theme or an idea or a word of the year is that it can help with decision-making when you're like, oh, should I take on this new project? All right, well, does it align with my theme of creativity or does it align with my theme of spaciousness? Will it add too much to my calendar? Where the answer is no, that does not tie into my theme or my value of the year. And then I really like to think about, okay, this time next year. So this is releasing 1229, 1229, 2023. How do I want to feel? 
what do I want to be proud of from the year? How do I want to have shown up? What do I want to have done for the animals? What do I want to have done for my family or my loved ones? What do I want to have done for myself? We so often forget about ourselves. And so that I think can be really, really helpful to do a little reflection and then also some visioning. And I like to do visioning. You could do a Pinterest board and you have access to so many images of what you want your year to look and feel like, even just feeling, what is the feeling? Or you could do an art journal spread, right? Where you take images from magazines, you put them down onto a spread, which is like two pages open in a book. And that can be a fun way to really bring imagery to your dreams and vision of this brand new year. I love it. You really added to my excitement. And like you, I love the new year. I love the whole holiday season. And yet there's something about the idea of, ooh, a new calendar, a new year. And just like you say, we start fresh every morning. And this front part of the year is so cool because we have New Year's. And, and there's epiphany. I love epiphany January 6th, because I love epiphanies. And then you've got Chinese New Year. Then we have March 4th, which is this lovely day. And I want to pass the credit for this on to my good friend, Deborah Schaus, wonderful writer. She writes a lot about being a caregiver for people with um, memory challenges and, and that kind of thing. But she invented the holiday of March 4th where we're invited to march forth into the rest of the year and the rest of our lives. So it's just a lot of newness right now. And Kimberly Wilson, I feel newness every time I talk to you, every time I visit your absolutely gorgeous website, which is KimberlyWilson.com. And we would, will put all those things uh, on the show notes at VictoriaMoran.com. So please uh, check all of that out. Kimberly, bless your heart, bless your year, bless your partner, bless your pugs. May all be well with you. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's been an absolute treat to be here with you today. I know I'm really excited about the new year too. So thank you for planting all these beautiful seeds in the world. Well, we're just a couple of good farmers. <laughs> Wow. Isn't she lovely? Oh my gosh. And I hope you'll go to her website. It's so beautiful. And just, she talked about appreciating beauty and she's one of those people who puts beauty into the world, who certainly puts beauty into my life. And we did talk a little bit about the new year, but I just want to hold you in the light and all kinds of hope and promise that some things that have been percolating for you maybe in 2022 or maybe since before the pandemic are really going to come to fruition this year. So let's just hold that together for everybody who's listening to this. And I do want to mention just one more time the retreat that I'm doing on January 7th. 
It's called 2023, your year of living agelessly. So it's a little mini retreat happening on a Saturday afternoon. That is January 7th, the day after Epiphany. So I kind of consider that the real first day of the year. And we're going to be talking about my MEND program, which is meditation, exercise, nourishment, and detoxification which is just a wonderful code for living well, feeling great, and aging in slow motion. So you can get more information about that at www.tinyurl.com slash ageless2023. And I'll put that link in the show notes at victoriamoran.com as well. And hope to meet some of you kind of up close and in Zoom person on January 7th. And if we have met in the real world, or if we have met for a long time through this podcast and its predecessor, Main Street Vegan, or if you're hearing my voice for the first time today, we are connected in some kind of amazing cosmic way. And I feel so blessed to know that that's the truth. So blessings on your 2023. Blessings on your life today, whenever you're listening. Now go out and be remarkable. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about Victoria or contact her at victoriamoran.com. Be part of her inner circle by joining the Victoria Moran Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. And if you're a vegan looking to up your game, check out Victoria's acclaimed training and certification program, Main Street Vegan Academy, at MainStreetVegan.com. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.